This podcast is a presentation of Sunset Presbyterian Church. For more information, log on to our website at www.sunsetpres.org. All right. It's good to be in worship with you. It's great to see you. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. Yes. And everybody went crazy. Lent. Okay. Lent is the 40 days plus six Sundays before Easter. It is 40 days because it's the time when we remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. So it's that time that we're remembering when Jesus was alone in prayer, which was often his practice to spend time alone in prayer with the Lord. And he resisted the temptation of sin uh, in the wilderness. And he was fasting. He was hungry at that time, 40 days and for 40 nights. So Lent is a great season to join Jesus uh, and resist temptation through solitude, prayer, and fasting to spend this season before uh, Easter in greater devotion to praying. Um, And maybe fasting. Maybe you can give something up. It could be even a type of food. Like I gave up sugar this Lent. And um, so the day, the first day of Lent, uh, actually the day after Ash Wednesday, I went to the Grand Central Bakery down on Cornell. And I ordered my my, uh, sandwich. And I said, and give me one of those, uh, one of my favorite cookies, chocolate chip oatmeal cookie. And so she brought it, and I was like, wait a minute, it's Lent, and I gave up sugar. So I messed up on the first day. But anyway, um, the, the point being, but then it drew me into prayer. You know, that even just that act actually drew me into prayer and to be thinking about Jesus. So it's just such a great season to, uh, uh, to enter into, and I want to invite you into this season Um, Last Wednesday, we actually celebrated Ash Wednesday. It's a day to prepare our hearts for Lent. It's what begins it. And we place some ash on everyone's forehead. In the Bible, ash is a sign of repentance. It's a a sign of humility, contrition, and repentance from sin. And we put the ash on on in the shape of a cross uh, because the cross is a sign of forgiveness And so during Ash Wednesday service, we walk through a confession and proclamation of forgiveness liturgy. So we all confessed our sin, we asked for forgiveness, and then we heard uh, God's forgiveness proclaimed. And that is what we're going to see happen in our story today. Spoiler alert. The golden calf today is the last sermon in the highlights in Exodus sermon series. You'll notice we have tissues for everyone mourning the loss of this sermon series. But, um, and, and actually, I, I do feel that way. Every time I get to the end of the sermon series, I think, oh, I wish I could preach that whole thing again. I, I'd love to do things differently, and I just love being in it so much. So today, uh, this last sermon, we're looking at the story of the golden calf. The people, we're going to see the people of Israel sinned against God by breaking the covenant with God. And we're going to see Moses make atonement, atonement. He's basically going to mediate reconciliation between God and the people of Israel who sinned. 
and, and caused that broken relationship. So Moses, we're going to see, confesses sin. He asks for forgiveness. And then God's going to forgive them. And the relationship is going to be reconciled. So this golden calf story is a story about God's forgiveness. So today, I want to look at three things with you. We're going to look at the story of the golden calf first. Then we're going to see Moses confess sin, ask forgiveness, and receive God's forgiveness by looking at guidelines of a confession. And then lastly, we, as a whole community, are also going to walk through a confession and forgiveness liturgy together today. So we're going to do those three things. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for your presence with us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this community. Uh, Thank you for this family, this body of Christ. Lord, fill us today. Would you help us enter into the story and see your heart of forgiveness? We ask all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Well, before we look at the story of the golden calf, let me share some very important context. So after God delivered Israel out of slavery in Egypt, he brought them to Mount Sinai where he was. And God then gave them the Ten Commandments. So Moses told all the people what God commanded. Uh, let's see if you remember him. No other God, no idol, no, you know, no, don't take his name in vain. Keep the Sabbath. Honor your parents. I mean, these are good to, re- to remember, right? Murder, no murder, uh, adultery, stealing, what else? No lying, no coveting. Okay, so they, he tells these commandments. That's the abbreviation of the law, right, the summary. And the people of Israel said, we'll do it. We'll do what God said. So then... God makes a blood covenant with Israel. So Moses writes down all these things. It's not yet on the stone tablets. He writes them down in, in what's called the book of the covenant. And then, so then he took, Moses took the book of the covenant and he read them to all the people after having said them. They resp- How did they respond? We'll do it. Everything that the Lord has said. We will obey We will do it. We'll obey. Now we're going to see God make a blood covenant with Israel. So so Moses builds an altar. He sacrifices burnt offerings and offers fellowship offerings. And then Moses took the blood from those offerings, sprinkled it on who? Can you imagine being there? My wife is cringing right now. (laughs) Like, imagine. Okay. So here's this promise. You know, we, we, I want you to do these things. We're going to do them. And sprinkles blood. Are you going to forget that promise? No way. You'll, you will not forget being sprinkled with blood. And it's, it goes on. This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words, the Ten Commandments and all the book of the covenant. A covenant was a promise. Covenant's a promise. A covenant was a promise to keep the words in the book of the covenant, in the Ten Commandments. But a blood covenant was 
beyond a solemn oath. It was beyond a solemn promise. Uh, it, was, it was more than a promise because blood in the Bible is a sign of life. It's a symbol for life. So by making a blood covenant, you're saying that if I don't keep these words, may I die. It's a sign of life. So the result of not keeping the blood covenant was death. Now that is an important context for the story we're about to see. Okay. So now let's take a look at the story of the golden calf. Um, It's a story of God's forgiveness. Remember, Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's speaking with God 40 days, 40 nights. Um, uh, He's learning about the commandments and talking about the tabernacle. And Moses was given given, uh, the two stone tablets of testimony. So he's he's up on Mount Sinai. So now we're going to come down to the camp. You ready? Here we go. When the people saw that Moses was so long, how long was he on? So long in coming down from the mountain. They gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So very quickly. Aaron answered them, well, take off the gold earrings and your, that your wives and sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. And he took what they had handed to him and made it into an idol cast in the... Sh- he made it into an idol, cast it into the shape of a... What? You have to remember, um, the, in Egypt, they worshiped the Apis bull. This was a major, the, the bull, uh, they, they mummified the bull. They had um, sac- sacred ceremonies for the bull. If the bull moved a certain way, it, meant, had, it was a sign of blessing or uh, harm that would come to the nation. And so this was the practice that they were used to. And so it was no surprise that they would fashion this calf. Um, and, and he fashioned it with a tool, okay? Then he, they said, these are your gods. Uh, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought, who brought you out of Egypt. Unbelievable. Then when Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow we will be a fe- there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people arose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings to this idol. Afterward they sat down, they eat and they drank and they got up and then they indulged in revelry. And because they're young kids, I can't talk about what that actually means. So Moses was on at the top of Mount Sinai. God told Moses to go down to the people and he told Moses what the people had done, that they had quickly turned away from his commandments. They made a golden idol. They uh, were worshiping to it and they were sacrificing to it. And they were even saying that this God, this idol brought them out of Egypt. So the Lord was understandably angry. I mean, imagine marrying someone. You got married and... uh, and then 40 days later, they left you. That's what's happening here. So Moses mediates this broken relationship. 
And Moses prays for God's mercy. Moses asks God to have compassion and, and not bring disaster. So Moses prays for God's compassion. Then amazingly, the Lord relented. And that Hebrew word means to sigh deeply. Oh. It means really to have compassion, to feel the suffering. And the Lord has compassion and, and, um, and does not bring on the people the disaster he had threatened. So Moses came down the mountain. He was carrying the two stone tablets, the ones that had the Ten Commandments on it, written by the finger of the Lord. I mean, how precious are these stone tablets? And when Moses approached the camp, he sees the golden calf. He sees them dancing and doing all their other things. And, and so Moses, what does he do? He throws the tablets out of his hands and he breaks them to pieces. This precious gift of the Lord. So Moses dramatically, symbolically illustrated what the people had done. The people had broken the covenant. Then Moses confronts his brother Aaron and he said, Why did you lead these people into such a great a sin? I mean, the idolatry is the second commandment. And, they, and, and this is what he says. It, well, first, and the first thing Aaron does is he breaks yet another commandment which is what sin does. You, you sin and then there's a confrontation and sin usually, le- the consequence of one sin usually leads to other sin. And this is what happens here. So the first thing he does is he breaks the ninth commandment. What's that one? False witness, lying. So he, and he blame shifts. He, he shifts the blame onto the people. He says, you, you know, Moses, how prone that, these people are to evil, right? He blames ships. And then uh, Aaron says, they gave me the gold, which is true. He asked for it. That is a true statement. And, but then what does he say? And then I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Like, I mean, it just appeared. But if you remember in the story, I tried to highlight it in the reading. He made it. He f- cast it into a shape of a calf. He literally fashioned it with tools. But no, I just threw it in and then out, ca- out it came. So the first thing Aaron does when he's caught in sin is to sin about the sin. Then we see the tragic consequences. God does not leave the guilty unpunished. Uh, the people who sinned were blotted out of that book, uh, his book of life. So those who were involved in idol worship and sacrifices and all the revelry and everything were put to death by sword and people were struck by a plague. But the most tragic consequence of all, God told Moses that they're to go to the land, but he's not going to go with them. This is the fundamental consequence of sin. The ultimate consequence of any sin is a broken relationship. And for Israel, it was a loss of the very presence of God. That is what made them unique in all the world, that God was with them, present, would go with them. And that, was, that is what sin ultimately does. It breaks relationship. So the next day, Moses gets up and he uh, says to the people, you've committed a great sin, but he's going to go try to reconcile their relationship. He's going to... The Hebrew word is atonement, or to bring, to at one to bring a broken relationship 
at one again, to reconcile the relationship. So Moses asks, uh, Mo- Moses asks for God's forgiveness. He says, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold, but now please forgive them. So Moses, it was his practice to pitch a tent outside the camp called the Tent of Meeting, and the pillar of cloud would come and meet him, and Moses would speak to God face-to-face like a friend. And one of those encounters, uh, Moses asked for God's presence to go with him. He says, you know, he said, Lord, you're you're asking me to lead the people, but who's going to go with me? And then the Lord says, and you see the sign of forgiveness, my presence is going to come. My presence is going to come. Then Moses asked for God to show him his glory, and, and God says that my good, he, he is going to cause his goodness, I love that, to uh, pass in front of him, and he's going to proclaim his name, and we're going to see that in a minute. And so God then commanded Moses to make two new stone tablets. So Moses in the morning... Uh, he chisels these two stone tablets. He goes up the mountain. He's at the top of Mount Sinai. The cloud came down, and then God passed in front of Moses. And this is just such a, an amazing moment in, in the Scripture. So God is passing in front of him, his glory, and, and he claims who he is. He pro, God proclaims who he is. This is what he says about himself. The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh. The compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and abounding in faithfulness and maintaining love to thousands. And what does he say about himself? Forgiving and forgiving. That is who our Lord is. Forgiving wickedness, rebellion even, and sin. So Moses asks a second time for forgiveness. He bows down humbly and he says, although this is a stiff-necked people, that means they're stubborn. Forgive our wickedness and our sin. And, and we know that God forgives Israel because God renews his covenant with Israel. So God says, I am making a new covenant. Unbelievable. He will be their God and Israel will be their people. And they will enter into a covenantal relationship, atonement, reconciliation. We see, the, we see this good news. The relationship is reconciled. And this story teaches us so many lessons. When people sin, it breaks relationships. But when we confess our sin and ask for forgiveness, it opens up the possibility of a reconciled relationship. As many of you know, as a church, we've been focusing on becoming ambassadors of reconciliation. Uh, We've been learning from an outside reconciliation ministry called Ambassadors of Reconciliation. And in their reconciliation Bible study, they teach guidelines for confessing sin and asking for forgiveness as a way to reconcile broken relationships. So uh, what I want to do with you is I want to walk through their guidelines of confession and see how Moses mediated reconciliation between Israel and God. So let's look at the guidelines for confession of sin and and asking for forgiveness. Uh, First of all, James 5.16 teaches us that 
when that to, it's actually a command to confess your sins to one another and pray to one another that you may be what? And that's what confession does. It brings confession and asking for forgiveness brings its ultimate goal is healing. It, it does. It heals us. It heals the relationship. And there are eight guidelines for confessing sin and asking for forgiveness. So let's look at these one at a time and see how Moses mediated reconciliation. So the first guideline is to go as a beggar, to come humbly when we confess sin and ask forgiveness. Um, uh, We should do it humbly. And Moses did this. He actually literally bowed himself to the, very, to the ground in a, in a posture of humility. And that's how we're to come into confession and asking for forgiveness. Second guideline is to own your sin. And Moses certainly did this a number of times. Oh, what a great sin. He called it what it was that these people have committed. The third guideline is to identify your sins according to the word of God. It's not enough to say, I sin. So Moses uh, said that they made themselves gods of gold. Now, what he's doing is he's referring to the Ten Commandments, the covenant, in which God says, you shall, uh, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourself gods of silver or what? So he literally identifies the sin according to the word of God. Um, by quoting the Book of the Covenant. The fourth guideline is we're to express sorrow for the hurt that we have caused. And we see this, uh, we see the people doing this when the people heard the distressing words, they began to mourn and no one put on any ornaments. Now that phrase, no one put on any ornaments, that was a sign in that culture of remorse. So it was a sign of contrition. The fifth guideline is to commit to changing your behavior with God's help. And this is a little more subtle in the story, but I think we see that happen when the Israelites stripped off their ornaments out at Mount Horeb. So it's one thing to put, uh, put off your ornaments, but, it's, uh, but uh, to not put on ornaments, sorry, but it's a totally different thing to actually strip yourself of them. Uh, it was a sign that they were leaving that behavior behind. They were leaving the practices of Egypt, the idol worship. The sixth um, guideline is to be willing to bear the consequences. And of course, we see the tragic consequences in this story. Uh, and, and what the story illustrates, what the Bible teaches, is that sin ultimately leads to death. But the greatest consequence of sin is a broken relationship with God. And, and that's where we see that when God says, I'm not going to go with you. They lost his very presence. So then what do you do after that confession? The seventh guideline is to ask for forgiveness. And Moses not only asked once, he asked twice. So please forgive them for their sin. A second time, although they're stiff-necked, forgive our wickedness and our sin. And I do think this illustrates that sometimes we need to ask forgiveness more than once uh, when we've sinned against someone. And then the last guideline is to trust in God's forgiveness. And this is the good news of the story. God passes in front of Moses. And he, he talks about who he is. He is compassionate for what they have done. He's gracious. Uh, he's slow to anger. 
He's abounding in love and faithfulness, but he claims who he is as a forgiver. God says he is forgiving, and he's going to forgive them. And that is good news, my friends. God forgives sin. That's the good news that this story is pointing to. So how do we apply this to our lives? I thought we'd apply this lesson, the lessons of this story, to our lives by walking through a confession and forgiveness liturgy. So since Adam and Eve sinned, all people have been born into sin. We have that nature. And we sin against God by disobeying his commandments, and we sin against others. But God promises in the Bible to forgive us when we confess our sins because Jesus has already died for all of our sins. So I'm inviting all of us to confess your sins so that we can hear God's forgiveness proclaimed over us. So please read all the, the we'll, we'll read this prayer of confession, and then I'll invite you into this liturgy and invite you to respond and say the words that are in bold font. Sound good? So let's pray this prayer of confession out loud. Heavenly Father, I know that you created me and love me. You have taught me in the Bible how to live as your child. But I was born a sinner, and I have sinned against you and others around me by what I have done and by what I haven't done. I am sorry for my sin known and unknown. Have mercy on me. Please forgive me for Jesus' sake. Help me to live in the way you teach me. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know God loves you? And he proclaims who he is. He's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And he proclaims that he forgives sin. And he promises to be merciful and strengthen us in our faith. So Sunset Church, do you really believe that that God's promises of forgiveness given in the Bible are written to all God's children, including you? Do you really believe this? Well, then hear and believe what God's word promises in 1 John 1. It says, if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And all God's people said, in Romans 8, 1, God declares that there is therefore now no condemnation, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, In 1 John 1, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses Sunset Church from all our sins. And God's people said, in 1 Peter 2, God assures us that Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree that that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. Therefore, Sunset Church... Believe this good news. For Jesus' sake, God forgives all your sins. And all God's people said, and then do you know God blesses those who are forgiven? He actually puts a blessing in uh, Psalm 32. Blessed are you 
Blessed are you, Sunset Church, whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed are you, Sunset Church, whose sins are covered. And all God's people said,